Hello, everyone. It is Friday, March 1st. Uh, 2024, and we're coming to you here from the uh, offices of the Missouri Funeral Directors and Embalmers Association here today. No fancy background blue screen for me today because <clears throat> I wore a blue shirt and I would disappear. Uh, we've missed you for the last couple of weeks. We haven't had a uh, video cast for the last couple of weeks. And I apologize about that. We did have a couple of things going on here. Two weeks ago, we had the freak ice storm that came through Jefferson City and shut us down. And then last week, um, well, I had to go uh, to my father in the hospital. He uh, He's in uh, skilled care nursing right now, and uh, he was having difficulties, and they took him to the emergency room and then the ICU. So I was spending uh, the day with him there for that. Um, and that's, uh, that's a sad thing that uh, I had to bring up there. You know, for those of you who are above um, the praying persuasion out there like my family is any thoughts or prayers for my family with my father uh would be greatly appreciated but although it was sad that uh, that happened uh, it was good we didn't do the broadcast because what i would have talked about last friday is what i'm going to talk about today and i know a lot whole uh, know a lot more today than i did last friday and it has to do with those letters from the national prearranged services receivership that many consumers are getting right now. And we sent email out this on earlier in the week. I referred you to that email. If you did not get that email, that means you're not on our list. And if you are a member of the association, you should be on our list. So uh, contact the uh, our office here if you're not getting the emails to make sure we have your right email address. A little bit of background because this has been going on for so long. I know there are some people out there that aren't familiar with how, what everything happened with National Prearranged Services back in the day. They were a third-party pre-need company that sold a lot of pre-need plans uh, throughout the state of Missouri and throughout the nation, for that matter. And in effect, they went belly up. And a number of the people that were in charge of that all went to jail. Uh, they were accused of running a Ponzi scheme, and a whole lot of money went missing. Now, at least in the, uh, the last few years of national prearranged services, how the system generally operated is when they got money from a pre-need contract, it first went to St. Louis and went to a bank there. Then that money was used to purchase insurance policies from one of two insurance companies down in Texas. And those Texas insurance companies were owned by the same people who owned NPS. Mm -hmm. And the insurance companies uh, were insolvent. Uh, they were put under receivership, was kind of, which is kind of like bankruptcy, except for financial institutions. And the receivership court down in Texas not only took over the two insurance companies, they took over the whole national pre-arranged services empire that they had at the time. Now, because insurance policies were purchased, that meant that the various state guarantee associations were all involved. And for most contracts, then the procedure is if it was a $10,000 face value contract, I always like to use $10,000 because I don't do math well in my head. Uh, if it was a $10,000 face value contract and the person had paid everything they were supposed to pay on that, they, they fully paid up and it was a $10,000 contract and the person passes away. Although it, uh, there's a claim process that many of you are familiar with, eventually 
the state guarantee association would be getting the funeral home $10,000. Now that means the funeral home lost all the growth. It lost all the interest. It lost the, uh, a lot of the value that had been promised by national prearranged services because they're only getting that face value, no growth or no interest. And many, many of these contracts were guaranteed. So even though your funeral home might get $10,000 on that contract, the funeral now might cost them $12,000 and they should have gotten $13,000 because that's what was promised to them by NPS. Again, just using that as an example. So the funeral homes are not getting any of the growth or income. They are getting the face value from the guarantee associations. That is how it works for the majority of the NPS contracts. However, there's a group of NPS contracts that we've always called from the very beginning orphaned contracts. These were contracts where, the, for one reason or another, and there was a couple different ways this could happen, the money was diverted by NPS before it ever got to the Texas insurance companies. And because of that, an insurance policy was never actually issued. And they sold a lot of contracts just before they went pretty much belly up in May of 2008. They were selling them right and left. And if somebody put $2,000 down on a $10,000 contract, that $2,000 went to St. Louis and poof, it never got down to Texas. And the consumers might still be making installment payments, but no insurance policy was ever actually purchased. Well, since there was no insurance policy ever taken out on that person, because of that, the guarantee associations have no authority to pay money. That's what the guarantee associations do. They cover insurance companies that went out of business on insurance policies that they issue. And because on a lot of these contracts, there was no insurance policy ever issued, the guarantee associations are out of it. So that means it's not through the normal claim process. So what happened to these orphan contracts? Well, again, the ones that we're, uh, we're dealing with here are ones where people may have made some payments to NPS and they went out of business and they continue to make their installment payments now to the receivership in Texas. And now the Texas receivership is winding all those up. And about 2,000 people in the state of Missouri are going to be getting letters from the receivership. Some of them already got them. There's more on the way. About 2,000 or so people will be getting letters that are very confusing, unfortunately, very hard to understand, especially considering the fact that many of the people that are going to be getting these letters are elderly. Remember, they took out a funeral plan in 2008. Okay. And if they're still alive, very likely that there would be an elderly person at this point, and they're getting a very confusing legal, full with legal language letters from the receivership. Well, what's basically going to happen is there's two pots of money, in effect, that a consumer might be getting paid out of from the receivership. The first pot of money is funds that were placed that the consumer paid after September 28, 2008. That was the date that the, the judge issued an order saying, here's how the receivership is going to handle payments and claims from henceforth. Boom. September 28, 2008. So any money that the consumers sent in after that date was put into an escrow account. It was not commingled with all the other 
uh, NPS money that they had and the other money they were trying to collect from the owners of NPS and the other insurance companies that were involved. It was set aside. The consumer should be getting all the money they paid after August 28, 2008 back. The other pot of money is any funds that were sent either to NPS or to the receivership before September 28, 2008. For that money, they are a claimant against the receivership. They're a claimant against NPS, a class five claimant, because the first, you know, whenever you have these kind of bankruptcies or receiverships like that, the claimants have a priority. This people get paid first, then these people, then these people, then these, and so off on the line. And the folks that have these orphan contracts for the money they sent in prior to uh, September 28, 2008, are a class five claimant because, you know, get, you know, first you have to take out expenses of the receivership. Then you have to pay the attorneys. Attorneys are always pretty high on the list. And then there's other things that go down, down the line. For those claims where they're a class five claimant, the consumer will be getting approximately 60 cents on the dollar, maybe a little bit more than that, 63 cents on the dollar for what they've paid in. That means the consumer could have paid the full amount of the premium contract, everything they were supposed to be paying, all $10,000. If it, was, if it was a $10,000 contract, they paid $10,000 in installment payments over time. And many, many of these NPS contracts were installment payments contracts. And they're not going to get the whole $10,000 back. That's just how it is. What happens then? Well, that's a very good question. The letters say that the funeral home is relieved of all obligations now that you have been awarded this money. That's problematic under Chapter 436. Chapter 436 says that a pre-need provider is obligated to provide the goods and services under the pre-need contract. Now, of course, if the consumer gets that money and keeps it, that's one thing. But if the consumer gets that money from the receivership, and takes that to a funeral home, the, the original funeral home, the one they wrote the contract with in the first place, and says, here's the money I got from the receivership. I want my funeral exactly as it was written in 2008. Does the original funeral home have to say, okay, we'll take that money. We'll do something, make sure that you have a that funeral that you bought in 2008. That's a question that's never reached the courts of Missouri. It's never even gone up to the Administrative Hearing Commission um, in any reported format. So it's it's a very confusing issue. And frankly, it would have been better if the letter from the receivership didn't have that language in it because it, it's going to people may be may be relying on that letter, and it's possible that that letter is not correct. It's possible that a court in Missouri would say that a funeral home, you are obligated to provide those goods and services, assuming, especially assuming if the consumer, you know, gives you that money that they get from the receivership because the consumer paid everything they were supposed to pay and you were the provider on that contract. Now that may not happen. I can't tell you what a court or the administrative hearing commission or even what the state board would say about that. But the fact that the, uh, Special Deputy Receiver in Texas 
put out a letter that said this is what Missouri funeral homes are obligated to do is going to probably cause some issues. And it's something that's not been straightened out yet, something that's not been made clear. Now, the consumer, as you'll see, if you see any of these letters, they need to sign a authorization to release that money from the escrow account. Another open question is what happens if that letter isn't signed? What happens with that money? Well, you know, what, what are you going to do? These, the, the person who gets this letter could very well be 86 years old in a nursing home. And are they going to sign that and send it back in the time frame required? That's a good question. And what happens if they don't? The consumers have a right to appeal that determination. Of, well, here's what they're getting out of the receivership. But frankly, that appeal is very unlikely to win anything. Uh, the courts in Texas have already signed off on this procedure. And this is what the uh, Texas court says that people are going to get. In order to win an appeal, you'd probably have to hire an attorney down in Texas, which would, of course, cost far more than what you've lost there. When the, when the money is being paid out by the receivership, it's probably going to come in two checks, which is further going to complicate things. One check will be from the escrow account, that money that was set aside, and another check will be from the 60 cents on the dollar from all that money that was might have been paid in before September 28, 2008. So that's further going to complicate the matters. The last potential danger in all of this is that almost all of these contracts were irrevocable. And many of them were made irrevocable so that the consumer could get on public assistance in Missouri. If the consumers get this money back and they don't go right away, turn it around and either purchase a new pre-need plan, spend it on their funeral, or do something else that allows those assets to be excluded under Chapter 208, there's a danger that they might be disqualified from continuing receiving public assistance. And was everybody going to understand that that's a potential problem? Uh, you know, again, the danger is... Uh, 80-year-old woman at a nursing home or assisted care facility gets a check out of the blue for a couple thousand dollars and thinks, that, oh, I can, I can give the grandkids a great Christmas this year. And will that put her receiving public assistance from the state of Missouri at risk? Again, we don't know the answer to that, but we do know it's a potential problem and one that this letter does not address. So, no great answers to any of this, but we did want to alert you that consumers are bringing these in to funeral homes. They're asking questions about it. What our association has done is we have been in contact with the receivership down in Texas. We have discussed this matter with the people from the state board and the Missouri Guarantee Association. And we're working now to set up a, uh, a kind of get together, a, a phone conference, something where all the attorneys can get together and ask questions and get information so that hopefully maybe some of these answers can be at least given a little bit clearer response in a couple of weeks or so. So if somebody comes in and says, you know, what about this? What should I do about this? They've got 45 days to appeal. We've got 45 days before that time period runs out at least. Uh, let them know that we are looking into it. There is more information we hope coming out. Perhaps there might be something from the state board coming out. I don't know if they will or not, but, uh, but perhaps they will. Uh, 
And uh, we're going to be working on this and trying to get more answers because, frankly, the letters raised more questions than they answered. And that's that's unfortunate. The letters do not even really clearly spell out what an orphan contract is or how this person's contract became an orphan contract. So that's going to be confusing to people. So if you are uh, compelled to try to explain this to anyone, again, an orphan contract is one where no insurance policy was ever purchased to back up the pre-need plan. And therefore, the claims process was different than the normal claim process for NPS contracts. And so what the consumer is getting is everything they paid in. I haven't seen the numbers yet, but it should be everything they paid in after August 28th and a percentage approximately 66 cents on the dollar of what they paid in before that. That is what the consumer is getting. And whether or not the funeral home has any obligations from that point on, especially if the consumer brings that money and says, here's all the money I got from the SDR. What are you going to do for me? Stay tuned. We're trying to get all those answers. We're trying to work on it. And uh, that is, uh, that's what we have for you here today. Other things going on in Jefferson city, uh, our education bills that we have that would give people a, Alternate way to become a funeral director, avoiding the arts examination, have been moving forward rather well. Uh, the House version has been passed out of the committee. We're hoping that it perhaps gets a full vote on the House very soon. Our legislative day is at the end of the month. You should have all got an email on that, and it's perfect timing because we should have both our education bill bills uh, very much in the forefront at the House and the Senate by the time you all get here in Jefferson City. So please try to come if you can. There is strength in numbers. Seeing a lot of people there wearing a funeral director badge, going around and talking to people, tell them this is what we're concerned about. This is the issues that we're dealing with. It makes a huge difference here in Jefferson City. So thank you all for listening. Sorry we missed you for the last week. Thank you. Some people have already called me up with the thoughts and prayers for my father and my personal situation. I appreciate that greatly. And hopefully we'll be back again here next week with more updates on things that are hopefully important to you important to your consumers and maybe an answer to on what these letters are going to mean for everybody in the near and long term. So until then, we'll talk to you again soon and stay safe. <laughs>